At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Alan Parker said, sometimes with the British film industry, it's hard to know if we're waving or drowning. Let's find out. Welcome to another Britflix.com podcast. My name's Stuart Wright, and today's guest is writer-director Liam Gavin. Hello, Liam. Hello, Stuart. And as I keep doing now, because we have these little preambles before, it's like the idea of on a podcast going, so how are you? <laughs> <laughs> We've been chatting for about 40 minutes. Don't tell him, don't tell him. This oh, is, this is like a... We're, we're, we're creating a happening on the podcast. Um, <laughs> now... We've uh, we've come on here to, to 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 take a look at your take a look in some detail maybe at your film A Dark Song. So before, because which you wrote and directed from, is it 2016 or 17? Is well, it, it's it's they say it's 2016 on IMDb, but it, it was released in like it went to one festival then, um, Fantastic Fest, in in like uh, September, so September October. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was properly released in 2017. That's what I thought. I thought it was 2017, but I thought I'd better check. I said those two conflicting dates in my head. Um, yeah, 2017 is what I consider it to be released. So what? So Fantastic Fest was your world premiere? It was. Well, we had a screening in um, um, Galway Film Festival. Okay. You're, allowed, you're allowed a screening um, in your home festival that's not considered a, um, a, an actual premiere or such. Um, but Galway wasn't. It's it, Galway's quite an art house festival, mm. um, where it's uh, the Irish film industry is very much sort of based around um, it's theatre. It's it's history of theatre. They're very proud and rightly so of their their, their theatre. And I did it with genre horror. Mm. Um, so it wasn't. It's 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 uh, natural home, and it was screened in a, a sort of like a converted village hall or something. Wow. So yeah. So um, and it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't until I got to Fantastic Fest, which I consider the proper um, premiere mm. uh, um, that uh, well, for I consider obviously it was first screened at, at Galway and I'm very grateful that they, they, they screened it and stuff. So but the first genre festival would have been Fantastic Fest. And the difference between the the reception was just like you know, a black from white, really. So I bet, I bet. Well, look, before, but for those people that don't know the film, um, do you want to do you want to give a brief synopsis to what a dark song is about before we go into the detail of it? Um, a dark song is uh, dark song is about a um, oh my god, it's one of those things that's so close to me that it almost it's hard. It's about a a, a woman who pays an occultist a substantial amount of money to um to perform a black magic ritual to invoke her guardian angel so she can ask it a favor 
um, which is she's lost her dead her her child her, mm. her son, um, and it's, it seems to be when we initially uh, catch up with her she wants to speak to it to him again. Mm. Um, so they squirrel themselves away in a in a mansion um, in the middle of the Welsh countryside, miles from anywhere, and go about the the, the ceremony and they can't leave. Um, and if the the ceremony as well doesn't take like a Harry Potter sort of like two or three minutes with an incantation, it is eight months, nine months of backbreaking work. Mm. Yes, and it's. Uh... And, and you feel like you go on that journey, um, for sure. And even though we only get a hundred minutes of it, it is it is it is a uh, it is a breathless affair that you uh, you send us on when we're only really dealing we're only really with two people um, for that for that for that time period. And I've, it's interesting how you say how do I describe it? And I was thinking I was thinking about it before we spoke, and it was like for, it's like it's a grieving mother versus a bullying sh- shaman. It's kind of like it was how I kind of thought about it after after rewatching it. it was because um, the the, the um, you, you've got this you've got this obviously very earnest, genuine woman who has secrets, obviously. So she's not that she's not pure, yeah. she's not pure as the, as the story reveals. But then you've got uh, Mr. Solomon, who is hello one, hello. Are you still there? Yep, yep, still there, still there. Yeah, and you've got Mr. Solomon, who is who is this. I guess I, I don't know whether you'd call him the if he's the antagonist or not, you know, in traditional senses of stories. But we'll get into that in a minute. And but he is, and we will talk about him because I think I think um, yeah. my my journey he's, he's to spe- character. my journey of talking to you comes from my seeing Steve Oram talking about the role at a Q and A in London not long since. So uh, I'm glad to yeah. be able to <laughs> glad to be able to talk about it from from the writer director's point of view. But let's start at the beginning then in terms of in terms of being the writer director of this. What would you say is the kind of kernel of the idea that that, that set you off on the road to to a dark song? I uh, I saw a documentary one time um, back in the sort of like mid nineties. No not mid nineties the end of the nineties mm-hmm. um, about um, Alastair Crowley. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, it, 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 he actually did this this particular ritual we're talking about, um, uh, and he got bored halfway through uh, and, and walked out. He did it in Bolskeen House in Loch Ness, right? So, um, and it is the pro- I mean, the, the Abremlin is an actual ritual, mm-hmm. um, and it does take. You know, we shortened it bizarrely, so. <laughs> So it takes about 18 months is how long it's, it's, it's meant to take. But you are allowed to leave the house in the actual um, in the actual ritual. I mean, he got he was he was sort of rediscovered it um, and he was be working away. And you, you'd see sort of shadows that were three dimensional um, sort of in the in the house. Um, and they'd have to light candles in the in the middle of the day. Mm. Um, the bright sunshine because it just got so dark and, and sort of dingy. Um, but he, he, as I say, he got bored halfway through and just stormed out and the house is mental to this day. I think they're talking about, they might have knocked it down. Jimmy Page bought it at one stage. The locals would avoid it, would drive five miles out the way to avoid it. Do you mm. know what I mean? Yeah. So, so it is an actual thing. Um, and that, that's where the idea came from. My friend Tim Dennison, I don't know if you know Tim Dennison, um, who's a producer, mm-hmm. um, he said to me one time when we were sort of battling, like, do you have any ideas you could do for like £60,000? 
Um, and I said, I think I do, because it's one location, you know, mm-hmm. that's you. You are literally and with the one location, with the one location film, you are finding a very, very good reason why they have to stay. And you have a very, very good reason why they should leave. Do you know yeah, what I mean? And that, that tension's there. Um, so and it, it is a, a good idea for a one location. Um, uh, and so uh, he says, have you got any ideas? I said, yes. So he said, uh, I said, I'll go and I'll write a quick treatment. Wrote over over um, a weekend, a very quick kind of four page treatment and then sat down and wrote it in in nine, ten days, writing it uh, nine, ten, ten pages a day. What was it? What? What? I mean, the documentary sparked you. And, yeah. and, and obviously, presumably, any late knowledge you had of Alistair Crowley. So what, what fascinated you about the subject? Uh, I have to be honest um, that, one, I, I, I like genre films. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it, I have to be honest that it was that it was a one-location one film, you know? Mm-hmm. That's a film set in one location. It's, a, it's, a, it's almost sheerly a logistical idea. <laughs> so That's cool. Uh, so, I mean, I wish I could say that it's all oh, sort of like um, reverence for the occult or something like that. Um, well, let, let, well, let me flip it round then. So that given, given, that's, given, given the logistics of trying to get film made were making you see the strength in the idea. Yeah. What, what, was, what about your perception of the occult <laughs> uh, altered as a result of going into the process of writing a story about the occult? Um, well, uh I'm, I'm not particularly a believer in the occult per se. And I yeah. think if you were, you'd write a different film. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, that it would be more reverential um, and didactic. Um, um, I am Catholic, I suppose. I'm, and, 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 and I'm believing Catholic. Um, um, so you're taking that to it. So um, and in many ways, the film is a sort of um, a Catholic film as much mm-hmm. as an occult film. Because you've got yeah. angels. And you've got sort of um, forgiveness and um, all, all various bits and bobs. Um, it, it it made it's, it's given me a much higher respect for 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 the the occult. Um, it, I, 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 I sit in a kind of agnostic position on it rather than a disbelieving. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So and but, I know, but, how... but but you believe in but you believe you have a kind of Lapsed Catholic or, or practicing Catholic belief in ret- God? I returned to Catholicism about, oh God, a while back. Um, I was a fierce atheist for a while, but yeah. I read my way out of it, so. Have you really? Yeah, yeah. You see that, watching your film, you see it, it pricks, it pricks something that I think is hypocritical in my atheism, is that I can, I can happily be, be atheist about what I seem to be the kind of faiths of, I guess, hope would be the thing wouldn't it hope and uh, and and love you know any any of the any of the big faiths would would claim that's what they're about you know and about and about wanting to create more love and more hope you know um, yeah i know they have all the judgmental side but let's ignore that for now um a lot of, and people are finding peace with themselves and stuff because there's this idea of i go somewhere or this happens when i die but on the on the evil side of whatever faith's all about i'm a lot less I'm a lot less secure or, or happy with how I feel. <laughs> you know? I know it's, 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 it shows someone the devil. They're more likely to believe this is the, uh, yeah. the whole thing. So it's it's a funny thing. So which I think is something that you that your film your film sort of presents quite well in in a sense is that 
is it is that it's it is a lot of it's about belief and if you think about the what you were saying before about if the original if the original thing takes 18 months then that takes a lot doesn't it to to, to dig in for eight months never mind i mean your, your film suggests eight months yeah that's dig- right eight months on, on the thing and it is about digging in so it's uh well an awful lot this is the also you know you bring autobiographical things to it i mean it's been such a, as we were talking about possibly in a preamble um it is such a struggle to get it all done you know mm-hmm. and it is about you know just switching off and keeping on going no matter what you know mm. uh, and that's 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 the autobiographical element that i actually took to to, to this mm. that i will keep going and you know if i hadn't i've got this made you know would i be be still sort of trying to get my first film made yes you know, I would have still kept on going. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So um, that's, you know, Sophia's kind of grit and determination. And it's one of those things that it's 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 my worst, my, my best quality and my worst quality. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I can understand that. Yeah. So in terms of in terms of that, that nine days where you kind of threw yourself into it and and wrote this wrote this first, I guess. First draft. Yeah. Your first yeah. draft Not, of it. It took a, it took another uh, uh, eight months from that first draft of redrafting it um, to get all the the nuances and the arcs and everything like that. So what? So take. To, I mean, just. I mean, as as a kind of exaggerated sort of two extremes. So in 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 what was what you remember of that first draft and what we now see in the film. Yeah. What do you see as being the biggest changes and which and also I'd be interested to know what what remained the same. Um. Right, the first draft, um, the big changes, or the, f- the biggest change was that the girl was 18. Um, she was 17, 18, and she had lost her brother, and okay. that was her, her motivating. Um, Cassus, oh, he's not called Cassus now, what does he call He's called Solomon. Mm. It's, um, he was much more benign. Um, he wasn't so in, in your face. Um, and the first thing we did um was uh, we in the, in the second draft um, was to to um, make her like 35, mm-hmm. uh, 40. So they were equals uh, rather than sort of like this this um, this domineering, you know, this little that relationship between a, 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 a child and, and a man. Do you know? Mm-hmm. It, 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 there was no. There was no. It was all give and no take. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, um, and then the other thing we did was turn him into a bastard in in the. And I, believe it or not, this is the. This is what you see on screen is the watered down versions. Really. <laughs> yeah. So. so why why make him? A, I mean, because in a way, it kind of it makes him an antagonist, <laughs> even even though he's doing what she wants. So he's not. He's not. He's not kidnapped her and took her to this house to perform a ritual. She has invited him, and as you said in in the intro, paid him a large sum of money to be there. And yet, part of the deal, literally a Faustian deal, <laughs> is he's going to treat her like shit and behave like a complete bastard for the entire almost for the entire time that they're together. Well, the the, the the part of it is right, you know, up in the stakes. Yeah, just mm. in terms of sheer kind of like if we're talking screen craft here. Mm. Yeah, no, please do, please do. Um, you know, um, uh, it was too sort of like um, dreamlike and a bit too sort of like, um, um, I don't know, a bit beige considering what they were doing. 
Mm. Um, and once we made him into much more of an antagonist kind of figure, a much more sort of like in your face figure, all of a sudden she's dealing with that as much as she's dealing with, um, um, you know, the ritual and the backbreaking things and the difficulties of it. Um, he, in many ways, is the biggest thing she has to deal with, you know, um, at least for the first half of the script. Secondly, I mean, um, it's it, I, I, it's just a two to actually um, understand that character, um, Solomon, who is a very, uh, as you say, aggressive figure. He has to kind of get her to he's almost like a drill sergeant. You know, he mm. has to get her to a frayed state. So this thing was, you know, would start to work, you know. Because it's a bit about as much about her. Once they're further on the, the the thing, he does mellow slightly. Do you know what I mean? Mm. So he's he's not the, the baddie that perhaps um, everyone thinks he is. Um, it's as much, but although some of it is, but he's a bit of a a cunt. Well, it's yeah, because because that's what that's what's so fascinating about him is that he. He's almost like the epitome of mansplaining in many senses, <laughs> you know. But it's not, to- but it's also, but he's not toxic masculinity either. That, I mean, as a contradiction to that that first point, um, he's he's he's, um, uh, well, he's, a, he's a complex character, and he's much a kind of you get the sense. I know his backstory, um, and he's a damaged person. Um, you know, and I think that comes through because we, Steve and I had a big discussion about it. Um, so Steve understood what it is, and it comes through that he's 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 damaged as much as he's a, he's uh, as as he is a sinner. Do you know what I mean? But so yeah, so but, but so why 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 cast somebody who is known for more for comedy to play what essentially is a very very heightened and sincere role, isn't it? Well, what it was was um, uh, we had someone who else was attached, but they dropped out after a long time. I thought it was quite annoying. Um, um, and then the various bodies were, were wanting to replace him, and we were very keen that I get someone sexy, someone who was kind of good looking, you know, like Clint Eastwood, Warrior from the Wasteland. Right. So I had to sit down um, and compose an email to all of them saying, I just want a bloke. Yeah. I want the idea that you could sit next to, you know, he can meet him on a bus. Yeah. Hmm. And not think anything of him um, or that, you know, you went to the pub and you'd be sitting there reading the papers and everyone would roll his eyes. Oh, God, he's back again. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, and it was one of those things that I was watching. Now, Steve had been in an Irish film. Um, I did got, got to realize all this is based in Ireland. In fact, it's all shot in Ireland and everything to the Irish film board and everything. And I'd watched a film uh, called The Canal, uh, mm-hmm. and he was in The Canal. He was, yeah. Then I, he was, for some bizarre reason, on some TV program at uh, the same evening. And in the back of my head, I was thinking, Do you know, that's exactly the sort of person that I want. Um, you know, someone with a big beard and um, and sort of slightly gruff, and um, and it's casting against type. Do you know what I mean? Mm. It's, it's um, what do they call it? Uh, a casting somersault is what they call it now. Is that but, right? I've never heard that before. Yeah, a casting somersault is to get someone in who's who you wouldn't expect at all. But obviously, who, you take that to. I mean, not not just <coughs> dispersions on Steve's profile, but if you if you take <coughs> the film away from Ireland and the British Isles, he's not maybe as recognisable. So therefore, people watch him. And the reason I'm saying that is, is I remember being told about, and we talked about this funny enough in the preamble, uh, Troll Hunters, the Norwegian film. Yeah, the guy that plays the troll hunter. Is a well-known Norwegian stand-up comic. It's essentially like essentially like casting Billy Connolly in Norway, <laughs> the guy playing that role. Um, but but obviously we as 
as non-Norwegians thought he was, you know, enjoyed his, enjoyed his performance as the troll hunter, you know, because he could do it. And so it's, it's interesting, isn't it, that, 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 that not being typecast, being typecast is that the, there's good and bad to it, isn't there? And there's also like, what was it called again? Casting somersaulting, did you say? A casting somersaults, yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, it is. It's amazing to see to see Steve be this person who who has it's got all that depth and complexity. Um, and it must have been really. I mean, I guess when you're writing somebody like that, how when you're doing those passes and you're trying to get it right, you know, how do you keep it so sort of heightened without having to sort of fall into parody? I suppose. Um, I always picture people in my head. Okay. I, uh, that's what I do. I picture actors um, who who aren't going to play it. Do you know mm. what I mean? Um, and then when you get someone in, else into play, or you know, characters, you know, um, Johnny from um, from Naked. Oh yeah. So so in my mind, it, he was a bit like Johnny from Naked in in, in when I wrote it. Um, but he looked like Billy Connolly. So uh, that's that's how I kind of build characters. They'll take bits and bobs and, and ram them together. Do you know what I mean? So uh, there was someone else in 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 the Begbie from Train Spotting as well. So um, so a lot, be, a lot and, so a lot of dead eye, but actually still underneath it all, there is a person that's been hurt. Yes, that's okay. it. So that's that's how um, with with um, Sophia. Um, I you know the the reason why she's called Sophia um, is that you know the actress Sophia Miles. Do you know who I she don't is? No, no. She was Lady Penelope in Thunderbirds. Okay, okay. So, um, and she's in lots of other things. She's in TV stuff. So, um, she was kind of who I imagined with Kelly McDonald kind of rammed in as well. So, well, I mean, they're, they're interesting opposites, but the same because obviously they're both they're both at pain with something, and that's driving them to do what they're doing. But she, there's that added thing of him obviously being physically stronger than her, and her being not as physically strong. So there's always that threat that's that exists in the drama, but it ne that's never, just to, not to create any kind of misguided uh, ideas what this film is, it isn't about that kind of threat between the pair of them either, but... He, he, knows, the, doesn't, he doesn't even slightly physically threaten us. No, no, it's, it's always about the... the Psychological the, kind the, of like, yeah, domination. Like, like you said, drill sergeant um, relationship, as opposed to, because you, you, so you kind of know it's a, in a way, it's a tough love because you've agreed to do it, rather than... And but but to agree to do it is to do what I want, which is which is a kind of weird thing to go into at the best of times. Um, but what I thought was uh, what seeing see how the, seeing how that relationship pans out, and because there's so much information that you that you that you, that you felt necessary to give us, and and it, and it is it is it is important to how we understand what's going on. I I did feel like as as the audience member, like I was Sophia, you know, and I didn't I didn't feel like we were getting given lots of information. I felt like we were listening to what would, well, what, what would happen if you were Sophia in this situation. Well, one of the reasons why I upped the ante mm. um, um, with with um, uh, Solomon mm. uh, making him so aggressive is that she is such a dark character um, if he's not there. Do you know what I mean? That he she is pursuing a black magic ritual um, to, to talk to a dead child mm. um, and, and is very, very driven. Uh, if I put then her with this lunatic, um, it makes her, she has to suffer this. She has to endure it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so. So, so, yeah. So, whereas, a, like, the only, the only really other character we see is a sister at one point, And that's like, you get the contrast there, like, like this. It's like, there's somebody that wants to mollycoddle her, 
that wants to just take her away from all this and make everything okay. Whereas Mr. Solomon's like going, you want this, you can have it, but it, it's going to hurt in your head. No. Yeah, that's, that's right. <laughs> and I think that's the thing. I mean, for people listening who haven't seen it, that is, it, is a, it is a really joyous pair of characters going at, 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 at loggerheads with one another because, because she, she does design, she's got this, it's, it, she's not, while, while she's the, while she's the um, protagonist of the story, I suppose, um, and he is an, an antagonist figure, it's, it, and like you said, she has to sort of endure him to get to this bad, this sort of dark thing that she wants. Yes. Um, it's still, it still is like, um, it still is a real battle of wills that goes on that's just as enjoyable. And you're kind of like, you're not, you, you don't even feel like you're on one side or the other. You're like, Christ, who's going to win this game? <laughs> well, it's also, I mean, on top of that, I've got all the supernatural stuff. So yeah. it's pressure cooker. You know, it is just basically a crucible is better, better way to describe it. That's what I hope to get anyway. So, but how do you, how do you, and that's, and cause that's, I think that's the challenge because a lot of what, what happens is, is in our, is, is in our reality. And then, what you do rather sneakily, if you don't mind me saying, is that you don't really let us know that we are around in the reality anymore. And I think that was the, the sort of the, I guess, uh, uh, one of the greatest tricks of the film. I think, in a way, um, before you know it, you're in a you're in a kind of unreality, and you weren't aware you'd already got in it. Yeah, you've drifted, you've drifted away because you've been looking at the looking at the shouting. Mm. Do, do you know what I mean? I'll uh, look on the page to you because I'm, I'm from a, from a horror writer's point of view. It's almost like that's the, that's like the gold dream. That idea that I can go look at this hand, look at this hand, it's waving, <laughs> and then you go look. You didn't see that, did you? And and, well, and I think your film does that really well. And, and I mean, it, it, it's hard, it was hard earned. Um, it, it was it was easier in the writing than it was in the directing. To be honest with you. Okay. So what was, um, the, what was the challenge in directing that that wasn't apparent well, on the, the page? In, the, in the, the big challenge in the directing was when we first the first. Pass on, and we, you, 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 I edit the, the entire script, so, okay. um, so that the, the first time everything's there, and it came out to two, two hours and fifteen minutes or something stupid. Blimey. So we got it down to one, one hour and forty. Mm. Um, so we got rid of a lot, um, but when with the first act, second act, um, uh, at the beginning of, um, it made it feel like the actual ceremony, the actual ritual was about two weeks, three weeks. So I had to hammer down on that. We spent ages sort of putting stuff in and removing stuff and changing things. And it taught me a hell of a lot about editing. Okay. Um, um, and you can do the amount of stuff you can do is just astonishing. Um, shift stuff around and you know what I mean? No, I uh, don't. Uh, illustrate for me so I can understand what you're no, there's a scene. There's a scene when, in, in the film when um, Solomon gets very ill. Yeah. And she, she is um, chanting by herself and we pull back and there's a shot where he's out of breath and he's sweating and horrible. Yeah. That was initially a shot taken from and then we put it in that sequence when he's um, he's not well um, to show he's not well. But that was initially taken from very early on um, in the, how, the whole ritual to, sh to show how tiring this ritual was. Um Rather than that, he was sick. It just it, we could make it work in the other place. Do you know what I mean? And mm. work better. Um, so uh, the 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 um, the actual ritual stuff as well was very much a kind of dreamlike montage 
Um, but we had tons of it from other places that we didn't use because, as I said, it was uh, two hours and 50 minutes um, that we just sort of changed everything and made it harsher and kind of like more of a story and stuff. You know, it's very hard to describe what we did without being able to see the old footage. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, because it, because it, yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, me only having seen the, the, the sort of hundred minutes that you, that you, that you finalized it on is that you, yeah, you, you achieve that idea of that lovely thing that film can do, which is almost make it all a dream state because I'm just watching it and not really thinking about time. But then, then if I do think about it, I go, crash here, we've been going for days, weeks, whatever. And that's the trick you pull off quite well as well, is that I... Another thing we did is I make the audience ask a question very early on. Is this man a charlatan? Mm. So hoovering up information to see if that's going on. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and all of a sudden that, that you know, oh, is that something happened or not? Oh, that is something that's happened. So, uh, you know, we're in a different world. Yeah, because I remember, I remember one, one of the biggest disappointments with, there was a film called, I think it was called Regression which was a satanic panic film, you know, the 80s satanic panic in America. And it, and it had lots of, like, dreamy state stuff, which suggested there was the devil and the presence of Satan. And then the film's finale was to basically go, it was all, it was all imagined by hyperbole. Oh, so, yeah. you, so you kind of go, you've took me to the brink of horror, and then you've delivered me Coronation Street. And, and I'm like, I don't want that. I want if... Because that's what that's what that's what I you know horror horror what horror can do which drama is not allowed to do I suppose is it can it can say isn't this a fantastic notion and then what about if we crossed over into that fantastic notion what happens yes. then <laughs> well that's that's what I, I mean one of the things I wanted to do was this build a realism into it kind of like take we take the language of social realism of Ken Loach and stuff and then apply it to magic you mm. know to horror so. Um, it's very much the two of them are very believable people in a very believable setting. Um, and then I'm using that as a springboard to go to go into eventually very kind of like um, magical kind of things, you know. Now, now, given given, you know, this is this, this. There are two main characters and it really is about those two people. So a lot of what we're seeing is either one person or two people on screen. And so. In that sense, what was what was your conversations like with him? And I think is it Cahal? Did you pronounce it that way? Cahal. 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 Waters, um, your cinematographer. Yeah. Um, what was your conversation there about what you could what you could achieve and how far you could stretch it in terms of, i.e., keeping it interesting, which is the one thing. Even though it's a you know contained films often are, are um, fall over themselves with repetition and stuff, but I I never felt like that at all watching your film you, you you kind of there was a sense of the rhythm of the film and keeping the interest the images interesting all the time well i store i come from i was a storyboard artist for a while for okay. a long time um so the film is storyboarded within an inch of its life right um, yo. <laughs> so um um so I, I mean we didn't always use the storyboards we often sort of liked but the storyboard the information in the storyboard was there do you know what i mean yeah we need this um so that i mean we did this in 20 days um and there's the stuff that's you, ha you don't see on screen that scenes that have gone um and there were a fierce amount of screens because the way i'd written it is just like you know um on a page there'll be loads of little scenes to do the passing the passing of time do you know what i mean yeah so um and to get all those was a, ch a challenge you know we were really having to motor through this stuff 
So having the storyboards was 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 very very useful. Now I got to Cohol only we we lost our DP um, the initial DP um, like a week before pre-production. So we were I, during pre-production. I was still looking um, for DPs, but I was given by the grace of God um, uh, Cohol, yeah, um, who is fast as 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 um, I don't I can't think of an analogy. A fast, fast that's a fast as a fast thing on, on, on a rocket. <laughs> um, uh, and he 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 plus also he's absolute top notch i mean he's as good as as he's done all the peaky blinders just now yes i saw um, yeah in his credits yeah, yeah so he's he he's um and we had we had a big discussion about what we wanted to do with the rooms because yeah, there's only a finite a number of rooms mm. um that we wanted to make each room lit differently like a continent do you know what i mean so you'd know that you were in a different room you got know you. got you so, uh, and we keep something like the kitchen, which is where they'd smoke their fags and stuff, um, much more subdued and ordinary. Um, and then we get the, the, the main hall where they do the, the actual, the, the symbols and everything. We do, um, we do that all bright and then slowly it darkens as the process goes on. Mm. Do you know what I mean? We get very tight, um, a tight hold of where we were in the script. Um, and then we, the room where the, she drinks the, bl- the blood, um, not particular spoilers when I say that. Um, that's all lit green. It's written bathed in green. Um, so then the blood stands out. Do you know what I mean? So it's just thinking, thinking things through. Um, so the one thing about one location house, it allows you a bit of time to think about what everything's going to be. Um, I, I know that. Cohol was telling me that he's worked jobs in the past where they're literally he's literally turning up at a location and expected to just light it. Mm. You know, um, I think he'd really like working with sort of um, uh, a director based pro- on a director based project where we're actually thinking about camera moves. We're thinking about composition. Um, and yeah, cause, that- cause a real simplistic one. I mean, not simplistic to achieve, probably, but but certainly for me. Um, with all the, the striking imagery you, you're able to play with, and, and, the, and you're right, the, the kitchen sort of has this, this. We keep returning to it, and it's like a, it's almost like here's our reality, here's where we, we can be in reality. Everything else, there's potential almost um, to escape reality. But there was there was one, toward, I think it's towards the end, where uh, Steve sat on a on a sofa. I think it's like a magenta purple colour, and Sophia's talking, and the camera just just slowly pans round and just eventually just frames the pair of them like it's, she sat on the floor and he sat on the sofa and it's such a lovely it, it it's just the energy the slow energy of the camera is what captivates you and then at the same time you listen to Sophia sort of wax lyrical well see that particular scene is the first time they actually kind of like chat as people that's uh, right yeah 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 and, and what we wanted to do was sort of go from a one person to two people Mm. and they're chatting to each other you know kind of i do i try to do a lot with distancing as well that when we start the film that they always are put far apart she's keeping a distance um and then towards the end of the film she actually does sort of you know make physical contact with each other you know so these are things that people don't pick up unconsciously but they're there no no re-watching it was lovely to, to sort of pay more attention to those <coughs> things because yeah you, you you're, you're, slow- I got you're st- a cough sorry 
you're only human that, that we can we, we can have that in the podcast the fact yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah no because you because when you first when people get to, when people who haven't seen it get to first watch it it is just a fascinating story and that kind of tug of war between the expert and the woman that wants to, to, to sort of get that wish with the guardian angel and speak to a child is just so enthralling that it's not always easy to sort of pay attention to what else is going on and then when you when you get to watch it again you sort of have to have the have the the distance from the story as it were to pay attention to some of these other decisions other creative decisions to the craft yeah 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 and it was it was really it was really enjoyable to because there was um and i guess i guess well we've been talking for half an hour or so now so i think if i put a warning up now and just say we may we may we may not but we may talk about spoilers now if you want to stop Listening at this point because it's something. Um, it just to, for those listening, if they don't want to spoil the film, um, yeah, because the other the other camera thing that I was really really enamoured with was the push and pull of her going up the stairs trying to escape the well, she's going up to the light as it were, but the back wasn't forward to the camera to her to her point of view to the nearly at the top to not at the top. It really felt physical. Well, right. A story behind all that. Please do. We we were... Um, all the stuff that was in, in hell, the hell sequence mm-hmm. um, was, because of various reasons, all of a sudden in an afternoon. Now, if you've seen the film, there's... I mean, that's only part of... We got rid of some of the shots. Yeah? Mm. Um, and we suddenly found ourselves with, like, 20 minutes to do the entire... Um, the entire um, running up the stairs stuff. Right. Um, and it, it was everything that you see on in that um, sequence. There is no loose ends or anything like that. We had to cobble together. Carl got the camera and we ran three goes at it. And then we had to go to the top of the stairs and the troops through. And Catherine, when she saw that, when she saw the actual edit, says... You managed to get something out of that. Mm. So, so I mean, it, me and uh, Anne Marie, who's who's my co-pilot, yeah, and um, who's my editor, we spent a good, oh, God knows how long, just like a two or three days, just trying to get that to work. You know, and um, we used every trick in the book. For instance, we um, we 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 slow stuff down and we'll repeat things, but we'll frame in so that it looks like there's three shots. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So so it was the sheer fact you're saying that's great is just uh, um, I'm going to have to to, to phone Amory to tell her. So. No, honestly, tell her it was it felt physical, and like I can say it, it's a reflection of the fact that a lot of what you made me do is be Sophia and giving Am a forty odd year old bloke, and she's a thirty five year old woman tells you everything about how much I got ingrained in what she was having to deal with. And then that <laughs> idea of the nightmare of where she's ended up, whether that's real or unreal, is... I mean, in, in a funny way, and I know, I'm thinking about this now as we're talking, so I might, I might be going off half-cocked here, but it, it reminds me of, you know, when the marshmallow stairs in Nightmare on Elm Street, where, yeah. where obviously your brain's not working, is it, anymore? You're in a realm that isn't... Yeah, they, break, they managed to break you from from, yeah. from reality. Yeah, yeah, and that's what you know. While Kath, while Sophia's got a good idea that reality's still not with her at the moment, um, she she is still she still feels pain, you know, as, as evident as to what happens before she gets to the stairs. Yeah. Um, so so there is sense she's she's definitely alive. 
<laughs> so, so that makes it like it, it still means it's arduous as opposed to fantastic. If that if, yeah. that, if that doesn't undersell it, uh, hopefully it doesn't. Um, it's, oh, that day, oh, I have never been more stressed. I mean, I can remember thinking so to myself, "Am I am I going to survive this day?" It's just like it's in, imprinted on me. And we had all those demons who people you know dressed yeah. up and stuff, yeah, yeah. And they're all having a lark because they're on a film. Do you know what I mean? And me, the first AD, and Cohol, um, the, 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 the DP, were just grey, you know, as a kind of like, because I, I, there's lots of stuff if you're a director and if you're a writer-director, if you've written a film, yeah, because um, we did it on 20 Days, every now and, me, now and then the, the first assistant, because we were really up against it, says, can we get rid of this scene? Yeah, and I would say, yes, we can. Yeah, mm -hmm. and I had a list of things we could get rid of in my head. Yeah. Um, and and jumped to and he, he came up to me and said, "Is there any way we can get rid of the stairs?" And I said, "There is not a physical way we can get rid of the stairs. If we don't have it, we don't have a film." Yeah, no, so, it would it would be a bit. There would be a big chain link in your fence missing, wouldn't there? Yeah, there would. There would be a be a, a, um, a load bearing scene. Um, that I mean, it's it's one of those things. I'm glad you think it's good, but I, it's for me. I, it's not how I wanted it, you know. So a lot of that end sequence stuff was not how I wanted it. So it's just the way it is. I, I reckon if you had two hundred million, you still wouldn't have got what you wanted. No, I know. <laughs> I know. So, All um, I can tell you is it feels very physical. So yeah, well, and, go, that's, and, that's, go, and it's so. happening to Sophia. So if I can oh. feel that that push and pull, I, that... as I think about it now, I am in that stairwell. I am there. <laughs> thinking, what out of interest oh. though? Why did why did you why did you end up in a situation with with so with so much time constraint on you? Was that just underestimating what was needed, or did other things encroach onto the time that you'd allowed? For that what final happened, for that what happened was we lost a third of the money. They used to have these um, tax things that um, I forget what they're called. And they're still got going. Um, AIEs or something. Like AIS that. or SES. Yes, that's it. Um, and they weren't. They were eligible to be to sort of European funding and things like that. So if you're shooting in Ireland, and then all of a sudden um, we were waiting for an actor, um, and we waited quite a bit too longer than we should, uh, mm -hmm. and it dropped out. Um, it uh so we lost kind of potentially a, th a third of our money mm -hmm. and david who's a producer um david collins who we love um he says quite rightly we're just pushing on yeah we're just going to get it done we could be waiting 45 years to get this final bit and it might cost you and that's true you know yeah, but yeah. Had, but we were shooting an enormous amount of scenes um in a, 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 a too short a period yeah um and uh, it, we were on 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 the verge, you know, all the time. You know, there was one day, one day where we were, um, where we hit hit. Um, we we got the day, which means we got all the scenes that we were meant to get. You know, we were always one scene behind for the rest of the shoot, no matter what we did. It was very bizarre. So, well, look, hats off to you for uh, what you did get, because uh, it is very effective. Um, so. Another thing that I could, when you do the rewatch, is I could pay attention to the score that you that you uh, you, you you got to feature in the film, and and it remind there are shades in in um, in what you've got from um, from Ray is it Harmon Ray, Ray Harmon yeah. yeah from Ray Ray Harmon's score which is shades of um, Johan Johansson who sadly passed on passed on. Um, he, what, what I thought was a, what he what he did that made uh, Sicario sound so powerful is is the idea of discordant and or laconic 
beats or drones for scores. You know, it's like it, 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 it's not always tuneful, is what I mean. But then it often it is quite melodic at the set as well. If that. Well, what I wanted from uh, Ray um, was that um, I wanted it abstract. Yeah, mm-hmm. I didn't. I wanted it to be the sound. Or the, the sort of brief I gave him is I wanted it to be the sound of the ritual, the right. actual sound of it manifesting itself, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's this big, heaving kind of like, um, um, you know, monumental effort to, to, to sort of get us over the, you know, um, to get us to where we're meant to be going. Mm. Um, and, and occasionally it's scratchy and weird as, as, you know, like, you know, you've got, it's giving you some sort of rash or mosquitoes. Do you know what I mean? Mm. So, um, um, and he knocked it out incredibly fast. Um, I did, I didn't, I, it didn't even occur to me at the time that it sounded like, the, um, um, whatever it's called. Sicario. Yeah, Sicario. So, um, I think it's better. Well, it's more, it's got more, I mean, the thing is he, he, um, Johansson's is more, it's interesting what you're saying, what your brief was, cause I, I'm going to try and imagine now. Um, Villeneuve was saying, right, I want you to make the sound of the indu- military industrial complex, <laughs> you know, and, and that's what, that's kind of what, it, you know, it's a load of music that sounds, if you stop and think like a tank rolling over you, um, and it's rolling over you because it wants to make money out of you at the same time. Um, whereas I think, yeah, you're right. You're, the discordant nature of it was, was a, was the sound of the confusion and of the chaos, because obviously the one thing that Crowley in the idea of messing, messing about in the occult is, you take the the, um, the the you know the, the present state of how we are, and you introduce another realm, and you're not in control anymore, are you not? That, by definition, that's chaos, isn't it? And I think your score reflects that. Um, it's it's it, for me, well, we have some sort of like uh, well, what's the what he actually did was I I was pushing him so hard he did actually say to me because he kept on saying more abstract, more abstract, more kind of noisy. Mm. He says he's going to have to have some music, otherwise it's just not going to work. So I had to say, okay, let's um, let's 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 settle back into it. So yeah, cause, I, mean, so, I don't know if you've listened to the um, the score for the witch. Which, yes, yes. Which is, I mean, it's really hard to listen to outside of the film. It's yeah, sort of that. And um, I really like witch. Yeah, no, no, me too. And uh, Descent's quite similar too. The score for yeah. that is, uh, but I think that's because it's. With a with a good horror film, the score is really when it when it's when it's working, is sort of getting under your skin. So you kind of feel like it's all it's all one with the image. It's not like in addition to the image at all. I was really big that the music had to be fronty, that had to be right at the front. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it is one with the image. It's not sort of something in the background that enhances the two things um, that word and the image kind of like. Um, gel into a single unit you know and also i think i think i get the impression now I, i'm not that as familiar with the with the score in my in my head as i am the film but the score feels like it it, it goes with the emotion of the story it is it doesn't it changes it changes tune literally you know as it as it well, goes through yeah we got we start off with a basic kind of like um sound and then we add to it as we go do you know what i mean okay. so uh, and it is meant to it's meant to part of that process of of actually unnerving the the audience as they go mm. you know it's it's part of that unshackling that you were talking about now it is your first feature and and so it'd be it'd be remiss not to ask you for like, i mean you've given us lots of sort of 
what I would call sort of lessons, <laughs> definite lessons learned, and and how to how to make yes. it good out of what is what was feel like. Are we ever going to get this off? Get this done? Um, but is it is it from from what you what you experienced from making it um, that you that you couldn't have perceived, and maybe even stuff that you you thought oh, I've learned that with short films I've made or films I've worked on. What 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 was for you was a was a was a a surprise and b there what was the lesson learned out of it? Um, that I thought I thought that it was going to be sort of much more sort of like um, uh, creative and sort of artistic and uh, sitting down and sort of discussing things and everything. When in fact it is a mad scramble ball. It's 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 it's, <laughs> it's it is like trying to paint a painting in a tumble dryer. You know, it is it is. It is just relentless when you're going, you know, there's yeah. there's much time to rehearse. We did three days of rehearsal, four days of rehearsal with the actors beforehand, hmm. because um, on the actual day, you know, they just basically turn. We, we turn up in a scene and what you're seeing is is what they did. I mean, um, we we'd shoot the rehearsals. Um, just because, you know, to get another thing down, you know, just in case we didn't want to lose anything, in case we had to move on. It, it was, it, it is, it is when you're, when you're, um, when you're directing, it is a relentless thing. It is, a, it is a tiring, tiring thing. And it's also one of the things as a writer director that I learned is to stop being so precious about the writing. Okay. I, I know that sounds weird. When you're actually there, it's much more flexible than you'd think, you know, um, that they change lines. Uh, and then when you're in the editing, you shift whole parts of the story around. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So so to, to write a scene now for me um, is an awful lot easier than it was, you know, that it would be quicker. Um, it would be um, um, it would be more efficient, um, less kind of ornate. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, because I've actually seen that once you're actually doing it, it's just done. And then you're editing it and you're changing it. And in the editing in particular, you show how, how flexible everything is, you know. So you've, you've, you've kind of you've proved to yourself the, the kind of other the other old adage of what is it? A film's written, it's produced and then it's edited. And it, that, that's yeah, which I which I absolutely loathed the idea of when I was writing things, you know, so. <laughs> I, I absolutely said it's all about kind of like you go in, and every film I will go into, yeah, intending to shoot the script. Do you mm. know what I mean? And I do get everything, but it changes, and do you know what I mean? It's it's. Well, uh, I guess I guess if a film is collaborative, then things in that collaboration, whether that be what what time constraint you're given versus who's, what resources you've got available versus what time you know who's what the abilities of who's there, you know, there's all kinds of variables which. Whatever you've written on the page might not be. If, I, if I'd got a DP in who was slower than yeah. Cole, I, I would have been a complete. Would have been a completely different film. I mean, as as a sort of thinking. I mean, I'm, I'm guessing. I mean, I'm 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 thinking with Steve. I can imagine the, the idea of building up a bastard um, is is a, is a good conversation. I imagine he was sort of you know chomping at the bit to get you know someone that's known for comedic acting to then come out on screen as this this sort of. Um, assured but vulnerable man uh, yeah. whereas whereas Catherine's character is is having to do do a lot of the heavy lifting because obviously she's she's the center of the film and she's got to be strong because she's got a bold mission to go on 
but she's also weak because she hasn't got a fucking clue what's going on. What What was your conversation like with Catherine about about that role? Well, Catherine, bizarrely, um, the, the two actors did, had very different acting styles. Steve mm-hmm. would get would get um, would get an emotional wave and then ride that wave. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Get into a position and he he just and sometimes it wouldn't come out, so he'd have another go. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's a brilliant way of working. I mean, it was it gives a really naturalistic performance and everything. With Catherine, she comes from a theatre background, so for her, everything was precise. You know, mm-hmm. if you asked her to change a little bit, she would change just that bit. She was brilliant at it. You wow. know, and she's one of um, Ireland's leading um, theatre actors. Right. And she'd just come off some Ibsen play, um, Heba, Heda Gabler. Is that the one? Anyway, which is just as intense as, as a dark song. So she was yeah. bringing that baggage um, onto doing this, onto doing a dark song. Um, we also, I spent a great deal of time. Um, we spent like a day sort of chatting about our past history. Uh, what I did with the two of them was to... Um, I gave them an outline where we agreed an outline of their lives. Yeah. So, you know, from when they were children, you know, what they did in the 20s, 30s and stuff. Yeah, got you. Um, and I then, then we agreed on that and they went away and then they 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 were to fill it in. They both had a day spare. Um, and then they came back the day afterwards. And then in character, they had to tell me who was God about them, their lives, about everything they've done. Yeah. Mm. And it was absolutely fascinating. It was really good because, you know, you really sort of um, got pulled into it about these two characters. You know, I've got two decent actors, two really good actors telling you about their life as another person, if you know what I mean. Had you tried that before or was that something you tried out for this film? And that's uh, that's something I tried out for this film. So uh, Riley. And then once we got that into the system, we rehearsed the scenes, the major scenes. We rehearsed them. And we've got okay. some stuff, and then they're doing it in character because they've just been that character for for you know explained the interiors of that character's lives. Yeah. Um. And now we're getting them to do the actual scenes. So I was watching the film for the first time, which is a hard thing to do, um, uh, because in your head you've got a, you've got a fixed way that people are going to be saying these lines because that's the way you've written them and you've heard them in your head. Yeah. And that's the moment of letting go. You know, that's the moment when it becomes sort of alive. But it also dies for you because, you know, it's them. It's their characters now. Do you know what I mean? That's what I say. You kind of you kind of give yourself a soft release there, didn't you? By having a then coming to you and going, here I am. Here's the character. And you went, yeah. I believe yes. that. Now tell me what yeah. you say. And you go, oh, you say it different. <laughs> well, they, they would they would then come in. Um, um, and I was very keen that if they that they were fine to change the dialogue if they wanted to. Mm-hmm. Um, and they'd just come and run it by me. And sometimes I'd say no, but mostly I'd say yes. Um, and they got, you know, a real good feeling of it. So um, they, I, I couldn't, I, you know, I could, there's no way I would say, do you want to change the plot? Because that would be a fiasco. Yeah, 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 yeah. So the, within a scene, um, you know, that's absolutely fine. But so. I think that's another thing for, for, I mean, certainly for writers listening, is that that idea of the core principles of what you're writing about Will, will should always sort of shine on because they 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 shouldn't really be that movable, should they? Whereas this line or that line is easily movable, isn't it? Yeah, uh, and you know they can say it, you know, so it's less clumsy, or you know they can say it, um, you know, they can re, you know, get rid of the Liam Gavin isms from it, you know. <laughs> I like that thought. My now, my my editor, um, Amber, is a scene where. Um, Solomon is talking about why he does magic 
And he says to see see the levers and the architecture and various things. I fucking love that speech, by the way. Well, my editor, Amory, says, that's you speaking. That's you. <laughs> so, oh, you got, got so. found out. Well, that's that, because I love that idea. I mean, in a horror film, to, to sort of stay in the, in the middle of it, you know, about where you're already scared because you know what's going on. It's like, this isn't about scaring. This is about knowing. And you're like, fuck. That is that is something else. The idea because I I'm like I say, your film ex, for people like in people like me, your film exposes what 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 atheism may or may not be, and whether or not I've built it on sand or not. Uh, and the idea of somebody being bold enough to go somewhere where they don't know what the what the end result is. And and I think he says, doesn't he, that I've, I've I don't know if it's in that speech or in in, in another bit, but he so says I've seen gods and angels. Yeah, he's what I've imagined him as being is is that in a different life and different circumstances, he would be in academia. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but he's, he's, he's been this um, this uh, he's discovered this thing probably in his early teens and it's empowered him. He's felt, you know, he's from the council estates or somewhere like that um, with a wreckage of a past. And this this all of a sudden opens a whole horizon and world for him you know a different universe for him to explore um uh but it's taken its toll because it's a difficult thing and his and, and you know and your is his sex magic moment is, is yes, it's hell, of a, hell of a cruel trick to play in, yeah. in and and it, and it and it and it pays off you know it pays off pays off in the in the terms of the scene itself but also it, i guess that's part of your is he a charlatan feeling we may or may not have about yeah, him. Well, well, I mean, interesting thing about that scene, um, I kept on saying, should we get rid of it? Should we get rid of it? Um, uh, it was my, my w- once girlfriend suggested, because I mentioned sex magic in it, she said, we've got to have some sex magic in it. So, oh. And I realised that you couldn't have sex with that because that would be too much. I mean, mm. it's pretty bad as it is, right? Mm. Um, so I came up with, with that scene. So, uh, And weird as it is to watch, it's even weirder to direct, I can tell you. So... Yes, yes. I mean, and, and that's kind of one of the, that's one of the moments I was thinking about where, when you're talking to Catherine about what you're expecting Catherine to do, and while there's a there's a little bit of sort of on screen nudity, the, the 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 scene isn't as exploitative as her as just some female to look at because it is about the the self humiliation of of Mr. Solomon. Self abasement. Yeah, it's it's well. I mean, it sounded like I was um, passing Buck there on onto ex girlfriends when it, uh, I completely um, it my scene. So um, <laughs> I kept up with it. So let's not let's let's not be be sort of. At least your editor didn't say that's you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At that point, it's it is it is a scene about um, uh, it's about power. That scene because the scene before. Um, is the first scene that they've, they've actually bonded and they have a laugh over the mopeds and it's like he's gone away and he's starting to feel the need anyway. Um, and it became, it becomes about put, putting her in her place and sorting himself out. If you see what I mean. Indeed. Um, indeed. And it's, it's not, a, it's not a, it's not a pleasant scene and it is not a titillating in scene in the slightest. If, if you're, if you're. No, it's grubby. It's, it's grubby as hell. Um, yeah, in just, yeah. And like I say, it's just, it's 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 kind of equally humiliating, but although obviously he 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 is being exploitative because of his position in the relationship. Yes, yeah, very much. Me too. But but as but as an audience, you don't. The subtext of his humiliation isn't lost. It, sadly, in the finale, for want of a better expression. Um, <laughs> now, uh, I guess we should say, should we? How how can people listen to this? How can they see a dark song? Um, they, they can see it on 
Amazon. Um, you can rent it on Amazon. You can rent it um, on iTunes um, and whatever blink boxes become taught. I assume on YouTube. I don't think you can do... YouTube, you can get it. Yeah, YouTube, you can get it. Yep. So it's done. It, we've we had a poor release in the UK and it's done very well in America. So I'm I'm the opposite of where everyone else's kind of thing goes. So mm. um, I. But I would love more people to see it in this country. Indeed. So. Well, look, I'm glad that the Weird Britflits can at least draw attention to it, even at this stage, because it's not that old. God so, bless. So we uh, we should. And thank you very much for your time to talk about the making of it. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. You've been very kind. My pleasure. The Britflits podcast is provided absolutely free. If you want to help me get the podcast out to more people, please take a moment to leave a review on iTunes. Or if you want to help me out directly... There's a link in the show notes to my Patreon page. All contributions are welcome. And the music is by Chris Reed of thecomposers.tv. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager, only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.